before we get going, here's the bit where I remind you that nothing we discussed should be considered as investment advice. This conversation is for informational and hopefully entertainment purposes only. So while we hope you find it both informative and entertaining, please do your own research or speak to a financial advisor before putting a dime of your money into these crazy markets. You're about to listen to a special preview edition of The End Game, featuring Bill Fleckenstein and our very special guest, Jim Bianco of Bianco Research. In what was a hugely enjoyable conversation, we discussed everybody's favourite subject right now, inflation, as Jim explained why he feels the problem is anything but transitory, and highlighted the difference between market expectations for the Federal Reserve's response to something they see as nothing to be concerned about. If Jim is right, either the Fed or the markets are wrong, and it's the Fed. We also talk about cryptocurrencies, with Jim offering his views on Bitcoin and Ethereum, as well as his surprising scepticism, perhaps, about the future of central bank digital currencies. Every episode of the Grant Williams podcast, including The Endgame, a super terrific happy hour, and The Narrative Game, is available to copper, silver, and gold tier subscribers at my website, grant-williams.com. Copper tier subscribers get access to all the podcasts, while members of the silver tier get both the podcasts and my monthly newsletter, Things That Make You Go Hmm. So... If you enjoy what you hear on the show and you want more high-quality content like it, please make your way over to grant-williams.com and join our exciting community today. And with that, please enjoy the show. There he is. is. Yeah, so uh, guys, thanks for having me. I'm uh, thrilled to be here. So, Jim, one of the things I I was really curious to get your opinion and be able to flesh out is uh, sort of a combination of things that that kind of get us to a central theme that we've focused on, and uh, the theme has been what ends this great this experiment in in central banking monetization. I think we all know that it's going to end, and what might cause that, and even though that may be ways down the road, one of the things that we've talked to other people about is you know, would it be the bond market? Would it be the currency market? What would be the signs? And I noticed that recently you've been writing more about um, sort of the discrepancy between what the bond market seems to think is going to happen on the rate hike front and what the Fed chit chat and dot plots seem to think. So maybe what you could do is start off by diving into that and saying, okay, look, here, here's what the market seems to be saying. Here's what the Fed's doing. This is what things that's led to in the past. And then we could maybe touch a little bit on the reliability of the tips and break-evens forecasts and all that. In the, I think that area of that topic would be useful to a lot of people about now because I think people are way more focused on this now than they were maybe even three or four months ago. So with that long-winded question, take it away, Jim. Uh, let me start with the end game. Let me start with your big picture question you asked at the top. Uh, what what ends this? The thing we haven't had in 30 or 40 years that has allowed this whole game to go. Persistent inflation, to use the 2021 term. If we get inflation in some kind of a persistent fashion, it forces the Fed out. It forces them to respond to inflation and tighten in the wake of inflation, something they haven't done maybe in any way, in an earnest way, since the 90s or maybe even the 80s. And then if if the stock market starts weakening, they've got a dilemma on their hands. Well, all right, so we throw money to kind of support the stock market, then the bond market goes over the side. Or if we support the bond market, then the stock market goes over the side. 
they haven't had to make that decision because low inflation and then the excuse of transitory as it started up in the last year has allowed them to just basically play it both ways, throw money and it'll it'll have the stock market and the bond market go up. Now that I've said that, you're right about the metrics. If you look at the market, and let's take the Fed Fund Futures market. There, It's been trading since 1989 at the Chicago Board of Trade, which is now the CME. And you can devise from that what are the probabilities that the Fed is going to move rates at certain meetings. And to make it very easy for anybody listening, if you just Google CME Fed Watch, they have a handy little tool that will tell you what the probabilities are that they're going to raise rates at some meeting all the way out to 2023. You go through all that data. And what it'll tell you is the market is pretty much on the idea that the Fed's going to raise rates in June or maybe July, in September or maybe November, and then in December or maybe February. So in other words, what I'm trying to say is it's on the precipice of saying once the Fed starts the taper next week, November 3rd, they're going to have a meeting. They've pretty much Mm pre-announced they're going to taper they buy $120 billion worth of bonds a month. They're going to reduce that by $15 billion a month. So that work the math out. That means in June, they're done with buying bonds. And the market's saying, and then you will immediately raise rates in June, September, December, or some variation of that moving forward. We will immediately start a rate hike campaign. Now, most economists in the Fed, they're not there. They're at one rate hike maybe next year, maybe a second one, uh, possibly, but no way are they thinking about three. And none of them are really thinking that the day that the Fed ends the taper, they're going to immediately start raising rates. So the market is signaling to the Fed their opinion. And I believe what their opinion is, is you have to do something about inflation. And oh, by the way, I think you're already going to be too late anyway. So really what you're going to do is you're going to let inflation run, hurt the economy. Then you'll come in and right cross the economy with some higher rates that won't help lower inflation. So you're basically on the road to a policy mistake is what I think that the market is beginning to tell it. Last thing on this, whenever I bring up the Fed Fund Futures, two things, how accurate is it? It's accurate to the extent that it measures the market's opinion. You can look at overnight index swaps. You can look at the euro dollar futures curve. You can look at the repo market. And if you go through all that heavy math, what you'll come with is the same answer you get with the Fed Fund futures because they're all easily arbitrageable. So if you look at one, you're getting the same answer with all of them within a rounding error of each other. Then the next question people say, well, how accurate has it been historically over time? And those run charts, in fact, I tweeted one out yesterday that shows here's what the funds rate was and here's what the market kept predicting. And people said, no, the market was completely wrong. It kept saying raise rates from 2010 to 2016, and it never happened. Well, is the market wrong or was the Fed wrong? Was the market sending the the Fed a signal, you should be raising rates in 11, 12, starting the normalization process, not waiting till 2015, and the Fed didn't listen to him for four years. So who was at mistake here? Was it that they should have been listening to the market or the market was Aaron in the way? So you could get into that existential debate with it right now. But the bottom line, the market is getting much more aggressive in what it thinks the Fed should do next, raising rates, raising rates aggressively, 
than economists or the Fed's forecasts are. And I think it all comes back to this idea about inflation and that it is something real and something tangible. Just for a bit of context for the listeners, how has that market signal evolved over the last, like as this transitory narrative has come through, how has the market pricing evolved over the last, say, three months? Oh, it's moved very aggressively um, towards right, a, okay. you know, if you go back to late September, the market pricing was largely in line with what the chairman was saying, Jay Paul was saying, what economists were saying, maybe one rate hike in the next year or so, um, you know, maybe possibly one and a half. But it's moved in the last four or five weeks to three. And I don't think it's done moving. And you've seen long rates go from 130 on September 22nd. The 10-year note was at 1.3%. It hit 1.7% last week. Tips break evens, which is the, um, uh, the, the Treasury Inflation Protected Securities or real rate bonds. If you subtract nominal rates from them, it gives you the market's expectation of inflation. In the, at the five-year maturity, it's moved out to a new record high, uh, 3% inflation, it's thinking for the next five years. And again, it ain't done. It ain't peaked yet uh, at this point. So this is all new within the last four or five weeks. And you know what it coincides with is I think it coincides with the supply chain uh, problems. And I think what the market is, is I, I tweeted about this about a week and a half ago. Uh, let me give you a quick take on the supply chain problem. The problem is we want too much stuff. The problem is we are demanding a record amount of stuff. There isn't a problem with the supply chain. It's just running at capacity. And we want it to run beyond capacity. And that's not easy. So what's the fix for the supply chain? It isn't 24-7 or it isn't the National Guard coming in and driving trucks. It's you raise prices so high, we stop wanting to buy stuff and bring everything back in line. And I think that that's what the market is. If I was to interpret it, it's saying that's what's coming. We'll fix the supply chain thing before Christmas. It's easy. Why do you see the prices you're going to have to pay for stuff in about a month or two? And then you'll just stop buying it. And then there won't be any supply chain problem anymore. It occurs to me that I think psychology has shifted over the course of since once the COVID started, when people found out oh, gee, we might not be able to get something. And if you marry that with, and it might go up in price, you start to get a little of the buy in advance mentality that was very prevalent in the 70s and even through the early part of the 80s. Uh, you know, People didn't quite believe that inflation had been broken. So it seems to me that supply chain problem can get worse. It's like in semiconductors, we see double and triple ordering all the time. It usually gets worse before it gets better. And I'm not saying we're not there now, but if you combine that thought with the fact that perhaps we drove just-in-time manufacturing as a concept and a way to run the world well past where it could actually function, which I think is kind of what you're saying, and you marry that we're going to go through a period of potentially higher demand, maybe despite higher prices or until we get really high prices, it seems to me that the potential for this kind of disruption to last a little bit longer than people think that it might is quite high. I agree. And I think that there's a struggle right now with what, you know, people are trying to figure out. First of all, about your idea about expectations, I do think that they definitely changed. And I do think that there is some idea that people are talking about just in time is now going to go to just in case. 
That's a big deal. Yeah, it is. Because what you're saying to companies is, your margins are going to have to squeeze down because you're going to have to buy a bunch of stuff and put it in the corner and not use it, just in case. That is going to really... The full conversation is available to subscribers to the copper and silver tiers of my website, grant-williams.com. Nothing we discussed should be considered as investment advice. This conversation is for informational and hopefully entertainment purposes only. So while we hope you find it both informative and entertaining, please do your own research or speak to a financial advisor before putting a dime of your money into these crazy markets.